0: Ninety-seven-one FM Talk Podcast. This hour of the Mark Reardon Show is sponsored by Gamma Tree Experts. Your trees deserve the best care. Call Gamma Tree Experts
1: the way any little amount will help I mean if you just text to 2357 text the word hope you'll get a link back and that link just gives you an opportunity to make a donation It only takes you a couple of minutes real real easy to donate for the cost of you know a cup of coffee at Starbucks you can help a family or a child so do that if you can and I have some great auction items this week they're really not even auction items we're just going to offer some things up for you to purchase the money goes to SSM Cardinal Health um, in the Tree of Hope campaign but here's one that I think people are going to Respond to a little bit later this afternoon when we have Matt Holliday on the new bench coach for the St. Louis Cardinals. Of course, he created with his wife Leslie Homers for Health, which has been an amazing success for Cardinal Glennon, for the families, for the kids, and for the Tree Hope campaign. But um, we have a whole hog package from the gang at Sugar Fire that we can put up for um, for a bid here in a little bit. So stay tuned for that at the end of the hour. I have an audio cut of the day as well. And a couple other things I want to get into before the end of the hour. Tomorrow on the show, Fred just kind of got me updated here. John Rooney is going to be with us. We're going to keep talking to some folks about the Tree of Hope campaign. So Mr. Rooney is going to join us. Um, I found this piece last week from a guy named Michael Wilkerson who was in New York and he moved to Florida. He wrote a piece called Why I Moved to Florida, which I think is going to be very relatable. Tom Homan on the border tomorrow and pickleball coach John Callahan. This is going to be fun, too, because pickleball is huge. John, it's my understanding, is going to offer up a great pickleball package for the Tree of Hope campaign. So we'll get into that and we'll, um, you know, raffle auction or just have you bid on that tomorrow afternoon. Kevin Roberts is with us this afternoon. I wanted to talk to him about a bunch of different things, including Senator Hawley's piece last week in The Washington Post on conservatism. He is the president of the Heritage Foundation and has spoken even recently on the future of American conservatism. We're going to talk about the Respect for Marriage Act and a few other things. Kevin Roberts, how are you? I should say Dr. Kevin Roberts. How are you this afternoon?
2: Man, I am doing great. It is such a pleasure to be with you, even though we've got some challenges in America. I'm still hopeful about the future.
1: I think we have a lot of challenges, right? Uh, but you know what? It's good for a talk show host. I hate to take advantage of the uh, the horror that faces the country, but unfortunately and sadly, that gives me material, as you might, um, as you might imagine, right?
2: That's <laughs> so true. I'm, I'm chuckling because sometimes people say that about the president of Heritage that, you know, you guys talk about speaking about us. Everything that's going wrong, you know, just in order to stay in business, well, unfortunately, everything we say is going wrong is going wrong. We're just trying to come up with a solution just like you are in your show.
1: Well, I've uh, worked with folks from the Heritage Foundation for years being uh, in this business and and talking about conservative politics and issues for a long time. But let's a little bit as we get started here, talk about Kevin Roberts and how you got into this position and what, you know, maybe for people listening right now, what the Heritage Foundation in this position actually is all about.
2: Well, we like to say, Mark, that we're the outpost for the everyday American in D.C. And and sometimes people hear that and they say, well, you're in this nice building on Capitol Hill. Yes, we are. You know why? Because hundreds of thousands of Americans with small donations support us each year. And so we like to say we're here on their behalf. There really isn't an organization of our influence or size in Washington, D.C., lobbying for everyday issues. And since you asked about me. I grew up in a working class family in a blue collar town on the Gulf Coast. And so even though I had the opportunity to go and, and get some nice formal education, I see the world through the lens of that working class boy on the Gulf Coast, which means that Washington is against us. Uh, this is not a Republican or Democrat thing. It's us versus them. And so it's just a great privilege every day to lead this organization that is really representing us against them and we really have to be good in our advocacy and, and the policy work that we're doing in politics because the path ahead is really narrow. I think we're going to prevail, but, you know, I, we don't engage in hollow optimism. It's a really narrow road.
1: And when when you talk about that narrow road, you, you you talk about that in terms of just the numbers game in Washington or beyond that?
2: Well, really beyond that, I mean, two things when I say that. The numbers game in Washington, which you and your audience know well, is really thin, right? We had a a red trickle with a bare majority for conservatives in the House, lost the Senate again, don't control the White House. 2024 looks like it's more promising, but we have to get from there or from here to there. And so that's going to be narrow, but also mean it in a second way, a way that each of us outside DC feels it every day. And it is in our institutions. You know, there there's this Marxist scholar from Italy, Antonio Gramsci, who said that they would march through the institutions, the Marxists would, that's exactly what's happened. So just pause for a moment and, and ask ourselves the question, which institutions, K-12 through schools, mm-hmm. universities, so, uh, public professional associations, do we actually control as conservatives? Very few. Yeah. And so... I believe there's a very small number of these institutions on our side. We really have to not only revitalize them, but also expand their ranks.
1: Just to pull an issue out that I'm, I'm certain you must be familiar with. You, you did some, um, some work at Virginia Tech, didn't you?
2: I did. I did my master's in history there.
1: So th- this case that's kind of in the news right now with the women's soccer player that is suing over the retaliation. So she had a coach, uh, Charles Chugger Adair. He wants her to kneel during a unity statement, basically taking a knee. And this student says, no, I'm not going to do that. Now she's suing this guy and uh, the university, which I think is interesting. And that that's maybe representative of some of these culture issues that you have to fight all the time, right?
2: No, it's true. It's, it's a classic example of how we've we've lost all these institutions. You know, I can tell you that Southwest Virginia, where Virginia Tech is, is one of the most conservative regions in the United States. And yet, this institution, which had been a military school, has gone full woke. It's gone full woke because for two generations, the faculty have gotten more and more leftist, such that you can have this, this athletics coach say you, you're forced to kneel. I mean, beyond anything else, it's just a violation of free speech. That's the, that's the war, frankly. That's the war that conservatives are in in our institutions, on our athletic fields, certainly in politics. And I think, as we know from Governor DeSantis of Florida chiefly, when conservatives in power, whether they're governors or university presidents or policy group presidents, are willing to fight, we usually prevail. And I think that that's what that young lady is, is trying to signify to us is it's time to muster the courage to go fight on behalf of common sense.
1: Why do you think the red wave did not manifest itself into, um, you, you know, a, a bigger wave? <laughs> Why was it just a trickle? Because I was in the camp. Many of us were in the media that thought it was going to be bigger just because we felt like this moment was right. That all of the, um, you know, the things in the past couple of years, whether it's the CRT or the masking, you know, the lockdowns, all of that was culminating in a very good way for Republicans. And then what happened?
2: Well, three things. The the first is the the, the left continues to have a great turnout operation and our political apparatus on our side, especially at the Republican National Committee, has to be a lot better. The second, which is the lane that I operate and, and, and really was clamoring in, for the House and Senate leaders to to listen to us was that you you can't let the the millionaire political consultants in the swamp tell you to run on nothing. You know, Mitch McConnell and his minions said, we don't have to run on any policy agenda. We can just let the Biden agenda speak for itself and and we'll be in power. We see how that worked out. All year, Heritage was clamoring with McConnell and McCarthy run on a governing agenda. At least McCarthy although it was late, had the sense to do that. So and, and, and to put it succinctly, there was no aspirational governing mission uh, or, or idea, vision that conservative candidates had. And and I think it's a really important lesson for the future. But the third reason, frankly, is that not all of our candidates were great. I mean, that's that's something that happens every cycle. But we really need to do a better job as a movement in assessing not only people who might have interesting life stories prior to coming into office, but are actually residents of their states and can make a credible case of why they want to be the, the, the governor or the U.S. senator or, in the case of congressional districts,
1: the congressman. Heritage Foundation President Kevin Roberts is with me this afternoon on 97.1 FM Talk. When you say the governing agenda, what would you have liked to have seen in that governing agenda? That was part of the criticism of Senator Hawley in his op-ed last week. So I'm curious about what your thoughts are there.
2: Yeah, Senator Hawley is so good. In fact, we we worked with him quite a bit on ours, which includes seven priorities for taking back America, ranging from taking on big tech to confronting the threat that China poses to harnessing the angst that so many apolitical parents have about the state of education to fiscal sanity. Uh, There are so many issues that are, as we say at Heritage, 80-20 80-20 issues. You get 80% agreement by the American people across the political spectrum on. And, and only in the House, and only then very late in the campaign, did we see them rally around that. It was it was frankly too late. There, there was none of that, literally none of that on the Senate side. In a lot of ways, we need to go back to successful presidential campaigns in the last two generations. Donald Trump's in 2016, Ronald Reagan's in 1980 chief among all of them, because what these candidates did was explain to the everyday American who you know may not necessarily always be conservative, how what's going on in Washington affects their lives negatively and flip that on its head and say that everything is about self-governance. That's the kind of way we have to frame these issues, Mark, in order to have any chance of winning election cycles in the future. So
1: he, here's, here's a bit of a conundrum that, that I even face, and I just want your reaction to this. So we're event, we had a great event on Friday night. We had Brian Kilmeade come in from Fox. He does a show here on the radio, visits with me every week, and you know we met with hundreds of listeners. We had a great, great night. I had somebody that came up to me that night um, after Brian was done speaking. He was signing books and said, look, and this was a younger person. who said, look, I'm, I'm a young conservative, which is always encouraging to, to see that. Um, but this was someone that felt and came at me with these two issues, with uh, gay marriage and with abortion, saying, look, you got younger people that would come on over to a lot of conservative principles, but those might be the issues that are preventing them from doing that. Now, I, I think both those issues are a bit nuanced because we know that a fair majority of the country feels like some abortion should be legal. But obviously, when it gets into restrictions and and You know, no restrictions, then people kind of throw the challenge flag appropriately. So but you you took a strong uh, position against the, you know, the Respect for Marriage Act. And and that's something that Senator Blunt, as he's an outgoing senator, doesn't have to worry about reelection, did vote for a lot of conservatives not happy with that vote. And this is a long-winded question, Kevin, but you understand the push and pull that goes on with that, because I feel like I am a conservative. I don't care about gay marriage. I really don't. Now, I do care about religious protections and some of the things that were in that bill that I don't think were appropriate. But does any of that make sense, what I'm saying? Because there is some push and pull, and I think people are a little, you know, struggling on some of those issues in particular. And then if you don't support it, you're called a rhino.
2: Well, all of that makes sense, Mark. I mean, truly. And it wasn't long-winded. It actually was very articulate. And so the, the heritage position is we believe in traditional marriage between one man and one woman. We understand that there are conservatives who either disagree with that or say, yeah, don't don't worry about that. Our response to that, which, which speaks to your larger point about how we broaden the movement, a great passion of mine, is to speak the truth about that so-called Respect for Marriage Act. That that act was not necessary. The Obergefell decision accomplished everything that act purported to do. So then you ask yourself a question, well, what is it that Washington's up to? And, and one of the things I know about younger Americans, having taught many of them, is that they have a great skepticism about centralized power. They unfortunately have a great skepticism when leaders of institutions like Congress say things because they know there might be a backstory. Well, the backstory, this is the thing to lead with, with with people who, like yourself or they, are a little suspect about the traditional conservative position on marriage, is that it's about eroding our free speech and our religious liberty. It is really about how it is already being used, which is to tamp down speech by Americans who happen to believe differently. So I've yet to meet a conservative who believes that same-sex marriage is good, who also believes that I, as a person of faith, don't have the right in my own church and also in my own free speech to disagree. This is America, after all. And so I think what we need to do is frame it in terms of free speech and religious liberty, always being very respectful to everyone, regardless of their lifestyle. The unfortunate thing is that those of us who adhere to those traditional values are the ones who are being victimized by Congress. And I think if we frame it that way, we at the very least neutralize that, but probably are a- able to gain some adherence to that position, which really is all about the First Amendment.
1: Yeah, and, and the framing is difficult because, and, and I framed it that way when I talked about that issue leading up to the vote, but most of the media is not going to frame it that way. They're not going to get into the religious freedom issues, right? They're only going to get into one side of that equation, which is part of the difficulty. One more issue here for you. You um, you took a shot at George Will and Karl Rove. They were at an event at the LBJ Presidential Library, and it was the future of conservatism. And, and you said on Twitter, it's comical to see two elitists, George Will and Karl Rove, lecture conservative is about the future of our movement at the LBJ Library, of all places. They're out of touch with reality, living in a bygone era. In what way?
2: Well, first of all, I have great respect for both men, especially George Will, who helped me come of age as a conservative. But it's just factually true. But using his own words, he no longer considers himself a conservative. So I'm not sure why... I don't mean this disrespectfully. Mr. Will has anything to offer when it comes to the future of conservatism. Uh, He he has left the movement behind for reasons that still baffle me. In the case of Karl Rove, obviously a a brilliant political strategist. But the reason is that that Karl still believes that everything is about campaigns, everything is about elections, and that those of us who are what I would call civil society conservatives, we want to build up these these institutions, our churches, professional associations, far upstream politics. It's just something he doesn't understand. And so while I welcome their opinion in the larger debate, it is just absurd to me that they would be considered as the luminaries of where conservatism is going, especially when both of them would write blank checks for foreign interventionism, uh, something yeah. that certainly most conservatives don't agree with.
1: Yeah, about. look, you've nailed it there, and I you know, I, I can respect the past as well, but there are better conservative leaders moving forward, so I think that the criticism was spot on. Kevin, great conversation. I appreciate the perspective. We uh, absolutely support the Heritage Foundation. I love having you on here, hopefully create a little relationship, but thank you so much for coming on 97.1 FM Talk here in St. Louis.
2: It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I look forward to joining you
1: again. Thank you, Kevin. Great chat with Kevin Roberts. I was unfamiliar with him. You know, was familiar with him, but I had never had him on the air as president of the Heritage Foundation. So great to make that connection. Matt Holliday, Cardinals legend. He's back with the team. He's the bench coach, but he also started with his wife, homers for health for SSM Cardinal Glennon Children's Hospital. It's the Tree of Hope Campaign week. We're going to hook up with Matt Holliday coming up next on 97.1 FM Talk. Well, a lot of ways to highlight the Tree of Hope campaign. We'll have Joy Vitali from the Blues on this week. John Rooney is going to join me tomorrow. And right now, he's the new bench coach for the St. Louis Cardinals and did a lot of work with the um, the folks at SSM Health, Cardinal Glennon Children's Hospital with the Homers for Health campaign. Matt Holliday is back with us this afternoon to talk a little Tree of Hope and a little baseball. Mr. Matt Holliday, welcome back. How are you this afternoon? I'm doing great. How are you? Fantastic. You got a new gig, didn't you? You're not unemployed anymore.
3: Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, uh, I haven't been unemployed. I just haven't been paid for my employment in the last three years. But, uh, yeah, back, uh, back with the Cardinals and uh, excited about uh, the season. So I'm uh, looking forward to it.
1: I am, too. And we'll talk a little baseball here in a second. But let's get caught up at least on the family stuff just so we can keep track. We talked about your kids a year ago and, and maybe mm-hmm. Jackson in particular. So what happened? He was drafted, right? Mm-hmm. Was he number 1 overall?
3: Yeah. yeah, he was picked first in the draft in the in the draft in July to the Baltimore Orioles and so that was really exciting. Uh he had an incredible spring and um name just kept rising up the uh up the draft boards and um you know ultimately on draft day uh was picked number 1 overall. So uh incredibly uh proud of him and excited for him and, and he went out and played a little bit in the minor leagues in the season that was left and, and, uh, and did well. And, and is home here in the off season training with me and, um, getting ready for his first full season. So he's doing great. And then, uh, Ethan, uh, who's a sophomore in high school, who's 15, uh, is also, um, pursuing baseball pretty heavily and is a really, really good player. And, and then my daughter is 13 and she's, uh, awesome and, and so much fun. And my, uh, my youngest is nine and so he's busy playing flag football and basketball and, and coach pitch and uh doing all the things that he's doing. So um yeah, kids are doing great and, and uh, enjoy watching them do their thing.
1: You'll love this. I have um I have two boys who are older, but I have a little seven and a half year old and we have this neighbor. I, I can't even take credit for this as a father. Um But my neighbor, Amanda, who's, I guess she's 13 or 14 years old now, she plays baseball on a boys team. And my my daughter had started playing a little, you know, T-ball and then had some options. Her friends were going to play softball. And she decided, nope, I'm going to play baseball because she was kind of getting coached by my neighbor, Amanda. So. Mm Her batting stance, all the things that she was doing successfully, didn't come from Dad, Matt. Unfortunately, but she listened nice. to she listened to Coach Amanda, and she did so well. She was really, I, I must say, she was better than probably sixty, seventy percent of the boys on her team, because she had a great coach. And I wish it was me, but it was fun to see her kind of focus on baseball. <laughs> she loves the game.
3: Yeah, that's awesome. No, that's a uh, that's really cool. Doesn't matter who it comes from, right? As long as they're getting better and, and enjoying it, so that's uh, that's really neat.
1: Well, I've discovered she doesn't really want to listen to me. Instructions on how to ride a bike, that had to come from elsewhere. So we're in a pattern here where I can see that she can achieve things. It's just <laughs> that she doesn't want to listen to me. And on Jackson, so what's the realistic path? He, um, Look, sometimes you got to spend some time in the minors, mm-hmm. uh, right? Is it? Is this the plan? The Cardinals don't dip into the shortstop market. They're just going to wait for Jackson Holliday and get him in a trade down the line, right?
3: Well, that would be amazing. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, like you said, it's a... It's, uh, it's kind of a fluid situation when when you get drafted out of high school um you know you, you sort of start at the the lowest the lowest of uh of levels and, and he started last year at the uh at the sort of the uh they call it the florida camp league which is where they send all the high school kids and a lot of the latin kids um he did really well so well that, that they let him finish up in, in low a which is where they send most of the college kids and ended up doing pretty well there and so I, I suspect that, that next year, or this, uh, I should say this this coming spring, he's probably looking at going back to low A to start, and then um, you know if he does well, they would probably promote him to, to high A, and and then from there, you know it's just kind of how well you play. I think they they have some some metrics that they look at and, and how you know they determine if a kid is ready to move on to the next level, and um, so. I, I don't know what exactly to you know how to predict, but I know that he's a very mature kid. Um he's very skilled. He loves the game, he loves to practice the game most importantly. So um it's uh it'll be uh fun to watch and, and how you know fast they move him and how fast he earns it. And so um that'll be uh that'll be up to him and and, uh, and how well he does. But he's uh most importantly he's a, he's an incredible young man and, and somebody that I'm really proud of his character. So he's a, he's a great kid.
1: How, how much does the mullet play into the equation? I think that's gotta be a factor as well, right?
3: Well, I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> he, uh, he keeps it long all over. I don't, I think he would be offended if it was. Yeah. A mullet, but yeah. He, uh, he has, he has long on top. It might come across as a bit of a mullet out the back, but, uh, it's, uh, it's all one link. So he, his hair has become, you know, sort of his trademark, but he, uh, he uh he has nice hair. I told him to enjoy it while he can. No, I know. Yeah, well like we know how dad. that
1: goes. And I wasn't trying yeah. to offend. Look, I, I was I felt like I was rocking long hair in the eighties too, and then I'm told by my wife, no, that was a mullet. So sometimes yeah. it's in the eye of the beholder. Uh Matt Holliday yeah. is with me, the new bench coach for the St. Louis Cardinals. Let's talk a little bit about uh SSM Health, Cardinal Glenn Children's Hospital and, and how how did this all start? Just kind of give us a recap with the Homers for Health program that you and your wife started.
3: Yeah, when we were uh when I got traded over to the Cardinals and then uh, ultimately signed my my free agent contract, um, we were just kind of, you know, sitting around uh, my wife and I and talking about whether we wanted to start a foundation or sort of just uh, we looked at all the avenues of starting a foundation and what that looks like and, you know, sort of when you're done playing and how do you keep it sustained and, and so we we were just we just kind of were looking for something we were passionate about. And instead of starting our own foundation, we decided to, to try to find foundations that, that we, uh, we aligned with what we were thinking, what we were passionate about, and get behind them and try to support them. And, um, and doing some, some interviews and talking to a lot of different people around the St. Louis area, um, it sort of led us to, to Cardinal Glennon and just um, all the things that, that they, were, they were doing with children and, and how, how we could get involved. And, and we sat down. Uh, in, a, in a in a meeting in a boardroom um, with uh, lots of people, um, and, and I don't want to miss out on names, but um, probably five or ten, and and some of them are still working there, and some of them still aren't, or some of them aren't. But um, we sort of just hashed out this this kind of idea, this plan of how do we get um, you know Cardinal fans, sort of what I do, which is you know play for the Cardinals and hopefully hit lots of home runs and. Um, you know, and, and how do we tie it all together where um, we can get, you know, we, we can we can really raise money for the hospital, make awareness for the hospital, and, and really give back to the kids and the families that are going through very difficult things. And Leslie and I have had all of our kids have, have spent some sort of time in the NICU, and and had you know early on had had some sort of health issues that that were very stressful and and then very uh, as young parents uh, make you really nervous and, and are very difficult. So. We had a passion for it. We had uh, we we decided this is where we really wanted to put our our time and our and our finances and and uh, and our energy behind, and and that's sort of the birth of, of uh, Homers for Health. And um, you know, like anything else, once you, you combine Cardinals uh, baseball and, and all the great fans and and all the surrounding area, uh, you combine that with with kids and and families and, and kids that are sick and injured and, and families that are dealing with the hardship of, 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 of having to deal with that and and the other siblings and um, just what that looks like. Um, So that was, that was sort of how it all started and, and uh, you know, came up with ideas of how we get, you know, the community involved and get kids involved and the, you know, we had the home run derbies and, and a lot of the events that we've had and, um, so that's kind of how it all all uh, all started.
1: Yeah, it's awesome. I, I was able to take part. They invited me this year to do Glenning 101, where a bunch of folks from the community get to see firsthand what, what they actually do with the music therapy program and some of the other things that the money goes to this time of year. And it's really, as a parent, I, I think it's your worst fear. I think I mentioned this last year, and luckily it all turned out well. I had a roommate who was from here in the St. Louis area. Now, he lives in Cleveland, so it wasn't here at Cardinal Glennon. But just about two months after I saw him last summer with his daughter, who was 13, 14 years old, cheerleader, full of energy, she was diagnosed with childhood leukemia. And, you know, then the world just stops and slows down, and they have to deal with that. It was a really, really tough year. But through some of the same resources in Cleveland that, you know, we're lucky enough to have here in St. Louis, everything is really going well. But you think about the families that have to go through that right now, especially at the holidays, right?
3: Yeah, it's difficult. And, you know, we've, we've had the pleasure and honor of uh, getting to come alongside and, and meet and know and, and, uh, and spend time with and, and forever long friends. Uh, some of the families that, you know, over the years that we've gotten to know through Cardinal Glennon and in and, and most cases, in a lot of the cases, uh, it turns out great. And, and they're, they're doing thriving in life. And then, you know, sometimes it doesn't and and just kind of walking a lot alongside uh, some families that are grieving and, and, and dealing with you know unfathomable uh circumstances um, is is sort of uh you know it's it can be very difficult but at the same time it's it's something that that is really given back to us as well so it's uh it's a tremendous hospital you know and, and we really are honored to be part of it
1: I'll give folks some information on how to make a direct donation here in just a minute. Matt Holliday, let's just uh, talk a little bit about baseball here. And I want to, before we move forward, let's kind of go backwards here. What was it like for you to see Albert do what he did this past season for the Cardinals? How much fun was that?
3: Well, I I think it's, uh, I I think, you know, going into the season, you know, it it was a great story. I think it started out as like this sort of, um, really kind of coming home story and, and uh, sort of any production that you get is icing on the cake. I and mean, he gets the retired Cardinal, the good wheel tour of, of him finishing his year in St. Louis and, and the crowd and, and, and the Cardinal fans appreciating his career and everything he had done. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, I think particularly after the all-star break, he sort of gets this, uh, I mean, vintage like sort of peak uh, Albert Pujols production going and, uh, and, was just an in- incredibly productive uh, middle of the order bat and, 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 and an everyday D H started hitting right hand pitching again and um, sort of had this resurgence to to almost prime type production and and just to watch that and and to see you know both he and Yachty sort of having fun and and looking at you know I, I think once you get to that point you start to uh, really enjoy what you're doing knowing that the, you know the end is coming and you want to suck every enjoyable moment out of it with your friends and, and, uh, and the organization, um, you know, both of them grew up in and, and, uh, so it was, it was really, really fun to watch. And, and, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to be at a few games and, and get to come up for their ceremony and, um, you know, sort of see a few of them, but mostly from afar, getting to tune in on the TV and, and watch and, 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 sort of, uh, enjoy, uh, Albert and Yachty's last season was, was a thrill. And so I'm, I'm grateful for all the, the things that that Albert's done in the community and getting a chance to partner along with him and some things. And, um, you know, those two guys are obviously hall of famers and uh, legends in the St. Louis area. So it was, it was a really cool way for them to go
1: out. Do you, do you know, do you have a relationship at all yet with Wilson Contreras?
3: I don't know him other than outside of playing against him a little bit uh, when he was a younger player. So um, I, uh, I'm anxious to uh, to get to know him. It seems like he plays with a lot of passion and energy, and uh, seems to have a lot of fun playing the game. And, and I think that that's something that that's welcome and in the St. Louis, and um, will be fun to watch. But you talk about a catcher that that has the ability to to, to hit 20 to 25 home runs, um, and that kind of production, where uh, you know you can you can count on uh, you know a very difficult out behind the plate. There's not a lot of teams that can do that, so. I think his his addition and, and uh you know maybe a few more things that, that Mo uh might be working on combined with having, you know, top two of the top three M V P uh vote getters and, and uh you know uh a staff that seems to be uh ready to be healthy. Hopefully, you know, if we could get a, a healthy season out of Jack and um you know, Matt's and, and uh and, and you know, that that seemed, you know, were kind of a little bit banged up last year, two very, very important pieces of our rotation. Uh if they could have you know, if they could get to thirty starts this year, uh I feel really good about our pitching. So Um, It should be another exciting year for for St. Louis fans and and a a really good team on the field.
1: It'll be interesting, too. You're taking this position as bench coach in in a very um, interesting era for Major League Baseball. There was a piece on ESPN even today where they went out and they asked managers uh, about the new rules. And the question was, new rules, good, bad, indifferent. All right, Matt Holiday, good, bad, or indifferent. It's going to be interesting, isn't it?
3: I think the jury's still out. Um, I'm anxious to see sort of how how they all unfold. I, I don't know how much impact a little bit bigger of a base is going to Im- impact on people trying to steal more bases. Is that real? If people think that the, you know, the plays are, you know, an inch or two from being safer out that this larger base is going to help people try to steal more bases or, you know, how frustrating is it going to be for veteran pitchers that sort of have their routines of in-between and how well, how fast they'll adjust. And are we really going to implement that in the playoffs to where it could be a you know sort of a game changing you know season changing pitch and and a pitcher steps off to make sure he's convicted in whatever pitch he's he's ready to throw and and are they going to give him a ball because he took too long or you know there's some things that, that I have questions about I, I I do like the idea that there won't be so much shifting. I mean you can still yeah. shift the you know the opposite a fielder can almost get all the way behind second, so it's not it's not completely uh, banned. I mean there's still going to be you know obviously defensive movement. Uh, but I do like the idea that, that, that there's not going to be this sort of rover standing out in in, uh, in right field, you know, sort of halfway between the infield and the outfielder. And um, I think that that plays more to, like, kind of old-school baseball. But um, I don't know. We'll see. I, I, like I said, I think the jury's out on, on a lot of these things. And uh, I'm okay with trying to make the game better, but I think sometimes if you get a little carried away, um, it, it changes sort of what everybody loves about it.
1: Yeah, that's the problem, and I'm a bit of a purist as well, but hey, let's face it, the DH turned out pretty well for the Cardinals this past year. Matt Holiday, have a great Christmas. Have fun with that family. Look, we're here mid-December. We got the winter warm-up just around the corner. Spring training really just a couple of months away, and then baseball for 2023. So thank you so much. You've been very generous with your time the past two years. Matt, I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. That is Matt Holiday with us, the new bench coach for the St. Louis Cardinals. He's done so much for SSM Health, Cardinal and Children's Hospital, and I have a great way for you to get involved here with the Tree of Hope campaign. Now, I have two of these, so we can we can do one or both um, – <clears throat> Look, one person can buy both. This is $2,000, but this is a whole hog experience from Sugarfire and all the extras. This is uh, 75 of your best friends for the most delicious barbecue Sugarfire experience ever. A whole hog with all the extras delivered to your home. We have two of them, $2,000 for the Tree Hope campaign for um, each one. If you'd like to get involved, you want to help, $4,000 for the kids at Cardinal Glennon, 314-241-9797. Hopefully, Matt Holiday has inspired you here just a little bit. If you'd like to get involved in a great opportunity to impress your friends with a whole hog from Sugar Fire and all those great extras, the um, the cornbread, the mac and cheese, the special sides they have, we're raising money for the Tree Hope campaign. Jump on in here. 314-241-9797. We have two available. we got to do uh, audio cut of the day here this afternoon. i got a good one for you.
0: Playback ready. Now, the audio cut of the day.
1: All right, it's sponsored by the Good Feed Store. It's all about comfort, energy, performance, and pain relief. In Willow Grove, Pennsylvania, they had a school board election there. They were trying to pick a new president, and two of the nine were running to be new president. Only two were um, brave enough to do this. One was a straight white male. That is not a good thing. That's also known as a cis white male, right? The other was a female. And there was a school board member that stood up there and said, look, we can't. I can't even fathom, Jennifer Sullet is her name, I can't fathom voting for the white dude, the straight white dude, even though he's probably the best qualified, we just can't do this. I
0: believe that Mr. DeLeo would make an excellent president. However, I feel that electing the only cis white male on this board president of this district sends the wrong message to our community, a message that is contrary to what we as a board have been trying to accomplish. I think that it's important that we practice what we preach and that our words have strength when they are spoken, whether we speak them from the neighborhood sidewalks or from behind these tables.
1: Well, uh, they did. And apparently the cis white male who was impeccably qualified went to um, Penn State, bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering. He holds four patents. He headed the design and installation of guidelines on the new One World Trade Center. He has three children, and he decided to run for the school board because his children, one of his children, has special needs, and he wanted to focus on access for special services for kids. But he's straight and he's white, so he is not the right person for the job. When they wrote about this, there was even somebody that said Sarah Burns was her name. She's a new member. She goes, this is very hard to do as the new person on the board, but then conceded that she would vote for Stainback. The woman, Rose Huber, also hesitated. But after a long pause, she only voted for Stainback, too. It was an eight to one vote. The only vote that he got was his own for him. That was it. Nobody else voted for the guy, not because he's not qualified, not that he wouldn't have made a better president. I think that if you listen to the comments and read about this from the board, most people think that he would have been a better president, but it's against the woke messaging. You cannot hire or you can't promote someone who is straight and white, especially if they're a man to a position like that. That's not going to happen. So there you go. Cancel culture at work in school districts. This is what's happening All across America. It's your audio cut of the day. Sponsored by the Good Feet Store.
0: Get more at 971talk.com.